Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. Today's an exciting day. We're looking forward to this day for a very long time. Season 2 on the Svarim of Rechaim Kanayevsky. After we did a bunch following Rechaim's Petira, there was no discussion of Season 1 and Season 2. But as we kept on getting the feedback that we kept on getting, this gave the fuel to Rabbi Dr. Brutt to just dive in to this endless topic of Reb Chaim's Sfarim and all the Sfarim that he used. And each episode really goes on a tangent, as Rabbi Brat likes to say, tangents upon tangents of exploring different Sfarim and Rishonim and the history. Truly fascinating. And we have a sponsor who is sponsoring the season of Reb Chaim Kanievsky's Sfarim. And all he wants mentioned is that this is going to be so the knowledge and the learning that comes out of these episodes should be an Eloi for his neshama. Rabbi Brat, how are you today? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Good. Okay, so we ended off, for those that remember, and you could go back, they're all available on Oldaf. We could put into the bottom of the video exactly how to find them, where to find them. Baruch Hashem, we have Usher Tester behind the scenes producing and he'll let everybody know on the video and the emails and in the messages how to find all the previous episodes. So we ended off discussing Derek Hamuna, which I think we called Reb Chaim's seminal work. We mentioned that that was something that was put onto his caver. So obviously something that was special by Reb Chaim. And we discussed the history of learning Seder throughout the generations and where Reb Chaim came in to the picture after the Rishonim and Achreinim and later Achreinim. That had, that had written Svarim and works on, on Zrayim. So today's topic, and we may spend more than one topic on this, is we mentioned the Reb Chaim, and we know that the Chazanish has writings about it. So we're going to focus on this, the topic of using new manuscripts of Rishayim that are found throughout the generations. We know the Chazanish has, and Eliezer is going to explore this in depth, has things that, that are rumored about what he said, what he actually wrote about this, and what the other G'dayla Yisrael hold about this, you know, what did they use. But I think that's the place where Rabbi Brat is going to start season two. Yes, I, I'm going to start with that in one second. I'm just, I'm just backtracking for one second to begin with Akar Satoiv at the outset of season two because... I never imagined that there would be so many episodes up till date. We're up to 10 episodes we already did. I never learned to sugi Reb Chaim and his vast literature carefully. I still didn't. I don't know if I ever will be Zaycha too, because it's never ending. But thanks to Oldaf for hosting it, for Maisha Shwade and Usher Tesser working on all the technical aspects, spending hours. There's lots of times different things go wrong. It's lots of delays. Sometimes there's different delays. It's not easy. To be clear, these, these episodes were not; these are not being paid, these were not paid for up till now. By um, this was just a vol- volunteer basis of everyone over here. We found some of Baruch Hashem who offered to help with the production of the course of season two, and as they say, it made entire so Baruch Hashem for that. But these episodes take many hours to prepare. All feedback is appreciated. All comments of all types, especially in the next few weeks, if you, um, we have to bear out as it's going to take time to get to what we want to say. 
And in the past, people reach out and say different ideas of different shiurim that they want people to give. And the answer is they could be given. But okay, now, um, so the first point that I would like to do is, is to take a deep dive in something that we already mentioned already from the outset in Difference Farmer Chankanyevsky, is that if you look carefully, you see that he's, he's mamish up to date with the Rishenim that are out there on the market. He's not just using a standard, the standard, let's say, Ritva Raja Ramban, who, we might have, who said that is even standard, but for some reason we accept that to be standard. He's quoting everything. Just, just to mention what I'm referring to, they printed in the Sefer Sfarim, which I've quoted numerous times, some f- f- um, pages of his uh, card catalog, so to speak, of Sfarim that he had, which we'll return to. But let's say in Sechtas Kedushin, he lists. He says the Taisis Rid, Taisis Rush, Kedusha Ramban, then he has Kedusha Ritva, Me'iri, Talmud Arajba, the, um, um, then he has um, he mentions and the few different classical that he has and other Rishayim that he gets as time goes on um, that are only coming out as the time as time moves on so we see he's using these farm in the introduction of Derechemuna he spells out clearly that he's using manu- that he's using stuff that he just got from manuscript um that he was some of the stuff wasn't even on the market at the time. Um, he had connections, so to speak. He had the Yerushalmi based on manuscripts on Zraim. He had the Russian manuscript. He had the Rimal Kitzedek that was just published from manuscript and other such things. Right away, if you open up the Derech HaMunah from Chaim Kanievsky, you don't have to turn anywhere before the first page. He's already quoting Talmide Rabbeinu Tamba Bakama that's put out by the Bloy. He's quoting Me'iri's immediately, Rabbeinu Gershom Baba Basra, which is on the side of the Gemara, only published by Shas, in the Shas Vilna for the first time in the 1880s. So we see Rechaim Kanievsky, and we've mentioned different things we've thrown out that he's using all the new Um Now, so the, the point at hand, what's the point of all this is that, first of all, it's an interesting topic in my biased opinion, and it's worthy of exploring carefully. As we'll see, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great importance to study the library of an Adam Gadol. It can help us understand him. It's say what we could see what he saw. Sometimes we can learn his methods, how to learn up sugyas based on these some of these things that we'll hopefully pull out. And throughout this presentation, in the next few episodes, also we'll see practical examples of some of the tools and why it could be helpful, possibly in someone else's le- in in, the, in your own learning. It's very important to study in general. A li- a li- libraries are very important. Marshall, the famous Rebbe Yudim and Tibbon, wrote a tzavah to his son, Shmuel Ibn Tibbon, that from the, something to the effect, first he says something that, you know, make sure you have a nice library so people so you can lend to people. And this is in the Middle Ages. Then he says, from, You can learn a lot from the person's svar and what he has, what his interests are and stuff like that. We know um, a famous a famous thing from Rabitza Kanpanton. This is before the Beis Yosef says, "Ein chachmas adam magas el ad makam shesvar magiyim." So, therefore, he says, "Lechein yimkar adam kol mashiyishloi v'yiknes svarim." Svarim are very important, and there's a lot to say about this. Okay. Um, now, what's significant over here is um, that. Knowing what what I hope to show a lot of times is if you understand the bibliographical information when it's far more available and everything, it's going to help understand a lot of different things. Okay, this is a short hagdama to what we hope to accomplish. Okay, thank you for that introduction. In the past, you've mentioned many times that the Reb Chaim Kanievsky in his forum, you could see 
the quote-unquote influence of four different um, people from previous generations and this generation, his father, the stipler, the Mishnah Brura, and then going further back, right, the Vilna Goin, and uh, back to the Chazanish, obviously his uncle as well. Uh, I'm sure these people played a role in how Chaim went to the sugya of using new manuscripts and Rishonim as well. Right. That is, yes, yes. That is definitely what I would use as a springboard to get into. Based on that introduction that I've mentioned a bunch of times, yeah, exactly. So what I, which, to be more specific, is as follows. I want to show that if you one looks at the Mishnah Brewer very carefully and understands how the Mishnah Brewer is written, and then we'll be able to see that this was a model that we already mentioned that in a lot of aspects he took the Mishnah Brewer, even even in how it looks like it's Mamish looks like a Mishnah Brewer with a Sharetzin and everything. He he used it even further. Okay, now so for for this point as a general introduction, for the there's the Mishnah Brewer, which we're going to quote a few pieces from the Mishnah Brewer about his method specifically with Rishayim, and then we'll give throughout today we'll give um, specific examples of certain Rishayim. But as as far as the Chazanish Hishita, which has become known as the Chazanish, is opposing using new Rishayim. Um, um, there, there's the, the, that the Shita is tr- exists and is true on some extent. One could see from different places. Already in 1954, the Chazanish the, the, it, it was out in the world in in already in Switzerland. The Sridiyesh writes in a letter to Rav Herzog. He says, "Agav." He says, "Omnam be'eretz Yisrael mafitzim shmua b'shem hagoyin Chazanish she'ain lavi raya she'ain lavi as chuvas hagoyin v'sifer rishonim shenim shenim tzau achar beis Yosef bechesven achra halacha." Don't bring anything that they found after the Beis Yosef went to print. Don't bring it involved. It's not important for the world of Allah. And so, the, so he heard this um, sheet of the Chazanish. Rav Dessler in Artisrael, who was to have in, while he was in Artisrael, it seems a close kesher with the Chazanish. He also brings it down in the letter, talking about it, and we'll see perhaps later on more about what exactly Rav Dessler says with this thing. But the problem is with the Chazanish in general to understand what exactly what bothered him. What exactly was the shita? This a lot of ink has been spilled in the past bunch of years trying to understand it. What 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 caused them to create such a shita, and what exactly was his issues? In general, it has to be spoken out as follows: The Chazanish wrote an incredible, incredible amount. A lot of it he published. Not everything that he published did he himself publish. He had people helping him. He had nephews helping him and others. In recent years, it's Kiilu the Chazanish has not stopped writing. There's so much material that keeps on coming and coming and coming. The gift that keeps on giving. The Marshall in recent years is a set called Gnazim Vachuvis Chazanish. This is this has tons of new material. And sometimes the, what the problem is is that, and this is a great problem in general with the Chazanish, in order to understand a sheet of his, you have to know the context, what's going on. And when it was published in the various writings, pieces are taken out, things and we don't know the context. Why was he saying what he's saying? And, and in order to understand things, you need you, many times, especially in halacha, is you need to understand the context. So Rabbi Zilber, Rabbi Yamin Zilber, in Shuvas Az Nidbru quotes in a few different places, and he was a person who knew the Chazanish, was into the Chazanish, has letters of the Chazanish, says in general, take for example, the Kaivitz Igris of the Chazanish, very hard to rely on, because you don't always know the context. 
and a lot of times when you go through the various, the new data that keeps on coming out, so someone could have written about the Chazanish in the 1980s. He says one way, because he only had X amount of material. And it just keeps on coming more and more things, and we now get more and more insight to understand deeper, understand what the Chazanish held. Okay, so Mir Tzashem, I hope to present in the future what the Chazanish holds based on collecting from as many places I was able to find that he talks about specifically. Okay, but in general... Just to say it in one sentence is he's opposed to the usage of new discoveries of Rishayim. Okay. Now, but the Mishnah is not. What does that mean, the Mishnah is not? So so here we have, again, I've quoted numerous times that the best source for the Mishnah is his son. But before we get to his son, already in the Mishnah himself, writes in the Hagdama of, uh, a line towards the end of his introduction, when he, after he lists the svarim that he had, the svarim he used, Gam chipasti b'sifrei rishonim, ule emtza behem hadaver mefurish hashar raya brura ki baruch Hashem yeshli harba sifrei rishonim. So first of all, we see he's very proud of this. He mentions it; it's very important to him that he has a lot of rishonim. What does the word "a lot of rishonim" mean? So I hope in the next few weeks we'll be able to understand more what that means. But he. And and but I'm I was I I I use them, but he, it sounds like he owns them. You say there's a lot of legends and all different types of stories of how how did he have all this stuff? Here it sounds like at least the Sifri Rishayim he owned. Now the Chavetz Chaim's son, who helped him as we mentioned in previous episodes in this first season, helped him with the writing of the Mishnah Brura. So at one point he writes that when we learned, he was amal to get a hold of every Rishon that was out there. Even Achreinim, he also tried to get a hold of. But Rishayim was very important to him. Elsewhere, he writes, in the same, um, the Chafetz Chaim son elsewhere describes this as, um, hold on, he says, when we learned, we would start from scratch, especially when we were working on the Mishnah because they also worked on other projects, and we learned Kol Sifrei HaRishayim. And he starts listing, and he says, we started with the riff, and the, after we learned the sugya, of course, with all the parallels, we learned the riff, the rambam. Then he skips and he starts listing at Rishayim, he says, Taisis, the rush, Chachmet Sarfas, Smag, Chumar, Zarua. Then he goes on to G'dayli Sfara, Ramban, Rajba, Ritva, Ran, Me'iri, Ve'itur. Ve'gam me'rishayim, Rishayim, Kamaya, Shultis, Ubahag, we did not skip those either. So in short, the Mishnah Brura made it his business to get a hold of the Rishayim, and he uses it. Um, another point, another time he writes the same thing. So basically, the Chafetz Chaim son writes this in another place in the Sefer, that we got and learned etc. So we see it was very important for him to see all this. Now, so much important, so important for him, Rishayim in general, he, in 1902, the Rajba Menachis, or later on, it's just, it's not really, we know it's not really the Rajba, but it's for sure Rishon, he, um, he he goes ahead, it was printed in 1861 for the first time, it hadn't been available, and he makes sure to publish it to make sure for people learning Kachim that they should have it available. So we see he has a tremendous love for Rishayim. Okay. Now, one has to keep in mind that we're spoiled. You walk into any farm store, sorry, any shul, and people in their homes ready for their bar mitzvahs have been getting sets of Rishayim. This was an unheard of thing even 50 years ago. Forget about it as the further back you go. Okay. Um, now, just to mention one, um, two, three examples of, in a broad sense with the Chafetz Chaim, and then we'll move on to the main um, points over here, is 
in a in, in a Sharet scene in Reish Ches, where he's talking about the Nusach of the Bracha Ala Michya, how how we end off. So we he brings down the Magen Avram says we say Ala Michya of Ala Kakala. Where's the Magen Avram source? Says the Mishnah Bura from the Torah and Avodraham. But um, the Beis Yisuf already he says brings down Rishayim that say not like this. And then he says V'chenim to B'shem Rabbeinu Chananel Huva B'shibale Eleke V'arzuru V'chenim V'shibale Eleke Misefer Pardes V'chen Kasaveri Vats V'chenu B'rokeach V'kolboi V'rabbeinu Yerucha V'chem Ashbe Chadushei Harajba etc. So he, he here it's not I'm not trying to show him using fancy Rishayim so to speak, but he's using a lot of Rishayim that you have to understand in the 1880s it wasn't found so easily, and this is what he's proud of. He's using it to argue on the Magen Avraham. Now it turns out it might not be that. There's no one that holds the other side. He even begins his piece to turn out a drum, but that's not that's beyond the scope of our discussion. Lamashal, a quick search shows he quotes the Ritva over seven hundred times in the Mishnah Brewer. That's a remarkable number. Again, why? Because we're going to see the Ritva wasn't so available. Not everyone had it. Like today, every every bar mitzvah boy um, a few years ago still was getting a set of cooked Ritva. It was a big thing. And, the, and just to conclude, one last general example. He's talking about um, a, a specific thing, and then he says. There's a halachas psukais shenitvas keis miksavyad that also supports what he was trying to bring out, and he and he and he quotes halachas psukais also a few times. So we see, and this anyone who learns mishabru, which most people today are very familiar with the sefer, you're always seeing he's talking about hanitvas michadash and this and that. So we know he does it. <coughs> okay, that's the general um, background with the with the mishabru. So you want to give an example of a few that maybe. Chiddush that these were printed recently and he still uses those. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to give some. I, I would like to give some more specific example and uh, with our story for, to go move on with our story. The following is like this: There's a chibur the arzarua. In the arzarua, the marshal in, in, in the mishnah brew and bir halacha simen lama beis, he says as follows: Kine ace ke ace shesachinu la arshal arzarua gadol shenitpas biyameinu matzasi. A search shows that he brings the Arzarua something like 308 times. Okay, now the numbers are not exact because of different aspects of getting numbers, but he quotes it quite a few hundred times. Some of them are because of the Dark Emisha, which he had, and that was they had. However, what's the story with this Arzarua? So the story briefly is, it's a it's an incredible work from Arishan, who was active, it seems, he, he's born around 1250. Um, he, sorry, he's born in 1180, dies in 1250. So he's an early Arishan. Tons of Messiahs of Rishayinim are also found in here, besides his own stuff, and it's very, very important. But Rishayinim had it, and then it disappears. A lot of work has been done about this, just to mention. There's a, a, a master's from Dr. Uzi Fuchs with some articles, and most recently, Professor Simcha Emanuel in the Ali Sefer Journal 31 has a whole article with the history of the print, how it came to be printed, because it seems to be that it was lost at a certain point in time. We're not clear exactly when it was lost, but it seems the Ramah had it. In Darkei Maisha, he uses it extensively. Um, and it seems that he's quoting it from a primary source. But as already as a generation or two later, the Maram um, says we don't have it in Europe already. So it got lost somewhere around there. Just to understand a little bit what's the significance of this, Rebuva Margolis points out something that we find in the Beralacha really also is that the Maganav Ram would a lot of times ask questions on the Ramah, whose a certain psak of his was based on the Arzurah. Had the but the Magen Avram did not have the Arzurah. Already was we said it was already missing from the times of the Maram. It's a little before the, the Magen Avram. So had the 
but the Ramah had it. So he would argue on a certain psak of the Ramah because he had a question. He didn't see. But if but the it turns out when you open up the Arzarua, you'll see that the question is not a question. But the Ramah didn't bring down that part, so but he knew that information. That's possibly why he reached his conclusion. Had the Mugan of Ram had the Arzarua, it's very possible that certain questions and certain psakim of his he wouldn't have even created had he had the Chibur. This is an interesting piece and theory that needs to be um, checked into much more of Rebuva Magolos and the Sefer Nefesh Chayim. But what the Mishnah Brewer does this all the time. He shows if you had the Arzarua, you can understand much more, and he uses it in understanding even the Ramah, and also as he uses other Rishonim to be Mitzarev for different sugars. Now, when is this printed for the first time for manuscript? Only in 1862, and, and that's not even the complete thing. It takes time for the rest of it to be published. So, you see that he's using some... The Mishnah Brewer only be, um, really starts starts being published in the 1880s. Now, just understand, the Mishnah Brewer is not the only person that's excited about Tarzorot. Many others are also other G'daylim. I'm just going to mention one example. There's a say from Malachetz Chayfetz. Malachetz Chayfetz is written, his fame, his claim to fame is he was a Litvish Arav, and he's an uncle, his name was Rabbi Cheskel Chayfetz. He's the uncle of the Arsameach. So, <coughs> as far as Litvish standards, that gives you a lot of uh, coven. So, in short, he prints a Sefer in 1874, and then he, and then he puts out another edition, um, an additional part a few years later. What, what happens is, he basically was asked to Shaila about a, a, giving a get to a, um, a person that's a Cheresh, and he couldn't. He didn't have open sources about it, so he goes and does major research, and he and he do, and he puts out a safer about it. He says, if, if the Shiloh came to him and he didn't know, so Vice Chais, it's his job to to explore this topic. He took a, a topic that there wasn't much written about, it, and he wrote all about it. Incredible. And then he comes out. He starts dealing with what about it? someone who's a cherish has to do with Yibam and all different things. And needs stars. He creates the star for how the get should look and how with Yibam and all different things. He goes through the sugis. So one of the things that he needed was. Is he gets he's so excited when he finds Arzarua because the Arzarua had important information for his safer. Anyway, point is that in it was a it was a safer that it turns out based on new stuff that we have in the Chazanish, the Chazanish also used Arzarua. So even though the Arzarua is a relatively new manuscript, and of course, the, uh, if you go through Derech Hamuna, you'll see Kesader and Rukhan Kineski used it in all the Svarim, and it's extremely important because there's a wealth, wealth of information in there. Mishnah Brura is famous for one of the f- people I would say that uh, that made it more famous. Also, the Archashulchan also uses the Kaseder. So the, the, there was precedent to use this Sefer first being published from manuscript. It was lost for hundreds of years and only rediscovered again in 1862. So this would be one sample with the Mishnah Brura in mind and going to Reb Chaim Kineski also clearly using it, as I said, others also. Is this something... Somewhat of a chiddush to Mishabru more than the Ramah, because you mentioned the Ramah himself used it, right? You mean because it got lost in between the Ramah and the Mishabru? Is that where the significance yeah. is that Mishabru used it? Ah, so that that, that is a very good um, point you're raising because, like this, the, the whole what does it mean? The Chazanish is anti manuscripts. The Beis is using manuscripts. Now, there was no print. The answer is that the Chazanish, in when we'll fine tune the Chazanish Shita, Chazanish has no problem as long as it's in the Beis Yosef. What the Beis Yosef used, and he includes that Ramah, then it's that's it. So after that, the Chazanish holds. So now the the Arzarua, if the if the Ramah quotes Arzarua, the Chazanish is not talking about it. But now, if we have a piece that the Ramah doesn't bring down because we opened up the 1862 edition or the later edition, that's where the Chazanish had. But excellent, uh, help me um, fine tune the the point. Yes. Okay, fine. So we'll so get that's back Arzarua. To yeah. 
That's Tarzarua. Um, everyone knows that Meiri, Meiri itself, the, you open the Sefer, the Shittas that he brings down there, the Rishainim, <coughs> right? You don't find in, I shouldn't say any other Rishainim, but certainly not in the mainstream Rishainim. Um, and we know the Chazanish, again, rumors, I'm sure you'll find um, specifically written things about the Meiri. So talk about the Meiri now for a few minutes. Yes, I wa- so the Miri, it's interesting, is I, I have no idea why, but the, it seems as the Miri gets a lot of bad rap. And this is one of the topics that he gets very bad rap. So before anything, so here we're stuck with, um, for example, one of the works that came out of the Chazanish a few years back was called Maisa-ish. So he starts putting out one volume of stuff about the Chazanish, another volume, and a third, ends up putting out seven volumes. In one of the places, someone was at, said something to him about a Miri, that he saw something in a Miri, and he says, um, I saw in the Miri, and the Chazlish says some straight, uh, very interesting Lashon, Amiri You say, it seems that it was a big Chiddush. He says, it can't be that the Miri said it. Okay, I'm, I wasn't sure um, what that means, but it could be we will have an explanation at some point or another what that might mean. Interestingly enough, if you look, you'll find that on one hand, the Beis Yosef, who we just got finished saying that's what the, Chaz- the Chaznish's guide is, he quotes the Miri four times. Okay? In one of those four times, the Chaznish punked has a piece, and he says, what can we do? You have to rely, we can rely on this Miri, and he can't argue on it. He says some, um, he brings down the Miri through this space. And he says, it has to be that there's something wrong with it, but not with the Svarab Alma. Basically, because this piece of the Miri is weird in the base Yosef, as you look earlier, so he has no problem with it. Okay. Now, but I said the Miri gets a bad rap. Why? If you look in the Mishnah Barura, the Mishnah Barura search will show that he quotes it 400 times, something like that. That's a remarkable number. Okay. Now, the Chida, which we'll get to also, he'll get he'll be part of the story eventually. He has the um, Miri, in, he sees the Miri in Savyad, and he quotes it. Um, I think the number at one point, he quotes it a hundred times, um, I would say, that are himself. Some of those quotes are through the Shittim Mekubetzis, which we'll get to in a minute. Miri, when's he born? So the most current research, there's a lot of research been done on the Miri in general, but um, he's born in 1249, and it seems that he dies around 1315. Okay. He wrote a ton. He wrote on Shas. He wrote a Chibar, it's called Chibar Tshuva. He wrote on Mishlei. He wrote a sefer on, that's very important for the Sugis of Stam um, called Kiryat Sefer. He's, he's in close contact with the Rajba, has Chuvas with the Rajba. Okay. Now, in the old Afshurim that we gave on Yuma, I already mentioned that in 1766, a Chibur came out on Yuma called the Sikh Yitzchak. He had the Miri on Ksavyar in on Yuma and he used it. No problems. A few years later, Msaktis Megillah comes out from a manuscript. No problems. Lamashal of Ram ben Agra had it, was aware of it. And we're talking about in the 1770s, quoting it, no problem. Okay. Where do we know about the Miri? If you learn Shin Gabetzis on Baba Kama, the Shin Gabetzis quotes it a ton. In other Masechtas, we don't know why, but he doesn't quote it. It could be he didn't have it. But, but the point is, it was quoted. Rabbi Yaakov Chaim Seifer has an article which he wrote in Yeshurun where he says that the numerous he brings numerous sources, amongst them the Radal and the Rameir Simcha, that the, one of the side importances of the Miri, besides her being a Rishan, is that it helps understand the Rambam. Okay? In relation to the Mishnah Bura, 
I came across a very interesting point. I have this chus to be working on the the writings of Eita, of Reb Itam Hinkin Hashem Yinkam Damai, and in some of his writings he has some notes on the Mishnah Brura. In there he noticed, if you look in the last volume of Mishnah Brura, sometimes the Mishnah Brura brings down. He says like this: yad. He says this more than once. It turns out that the Meiri, which is published on Sukkah in 1910, but the Mishnah Brura is published in 1907. It turns out these pieces are found in the manuscript, today we have them, of the Meiri on Sukkah. So not only does the Chafetz Kwaim quote it 400 times, but he also has, it seems Eitam Hankin points out that it should be, it could be something close to 10 times he's quoting it based on manuscript. Okay? Now, just to make um, a little more interesting, Okay, so I remember a bunch of years back, um, um, Yeshurun had an issue dedicated a lot to Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. So Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach was very fond of the Miri. Not only was the Chafetz Chaim fond, he was fond of the Miri. So, so he was so fond that that um, it seems one night he was one month of Shabbos, I think it was, or it was a late night. It wasn't a month of Shabbos. He was a late night, and he, he was he's feeling weak. And then they announced in Yushalayim, there's a Levaya. Who's the Levaya? Avram Seifer. So, um, even though he was weak and everything, he said he has to go. Why? So he says like this: I have a major akaras on the on the mifal ha'anak that he did by bringing to the Olam Torah the Sifrei Rabbeinu Hamiiri with beautiful horrors. This is where Shanzam felt he was weak and everything. He went late at night to the Levi as a merdek akaras So we see from that also that Shanzamim had. Um, major chashivas for the Meiri, but more than that, in Rishon Zalman's writings and Shmishav's Chassi, you'll see he also does. Another interesting story, just to throw it out there, which ties back to the Meiri and Xavian, is that Rishon Zalman Orbach said over a story: the Imri Emes, who was known to be a, a credible expert amongst other things besides being a Tamil Chacham, was a crazy expert on Sfarim, but he had a massive Mishunadika library that only recently have we begin to understand how great this library was from a book put out called Eilrem from Meisha Hillel. Anyway. So what happens is, is that Rosh Hashanah mentions that it seems he wants to somewhere, and um, they show him a Ksavyad, and uh, Imre Emes, with a tremendous pekia, says that this is um, the Chidusha Miri on Shabbos, and I have a different one, and uh, there's different Shinuyim in the Masechta, and Bekitzer, he was able, the, he, was, he, was, he was an artist role, I think it was, so he knew, he recalled what he had, the manuscript, it wasn't published at the time, and he had this Miri on Shabbos, and, and he was able to see some differences and stuff from this other Tzaviyad, and identified that this really is the, that this is really the Miri. It seems is, Maisha Halel in the Sefer brings is of different parts, it seems later on they've realized that it might be a different Chibur of the Miri, and then more recently it seems that it might not even be the Miri, it might be a Talmud of the Miri, that there's two such works. Okay, but that, that's beyond the scope of today. Anyway, the point is that for the Rav Shemizah Alman Orbach and the Mishnah Brura, the Miri is very important. Okay. Now, there are there is a famous Shita of the Miri, which we're definitely not going to go into, which so much ink has been spilled on this, about the Miri Shitas, about Christianity, what it means, is, and that could possibly, some people say, it can't be that he even wrote whatever he wrote about Christianity, that it's not Avodah Zarah. So that could be when the Chazanish also, when he's saying it, that there's certain things crept into the Miri. So so let's say the Beis Yosef, when he brings down those four pieces of the Miri, the, 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 the Chazanish has no problem with it. It's, it has a, the Beis Yosef. Some things that someone says, but then he he will be, technically, he might be more nervous. Okay, now, 
But but it's it's not only that the Mishnah Brewer and Rav Shem Zalman or Orbach are like this. Lamashal searching in the Nitziv's writings, and the Nitziv is before the explosion of the Miri's materials. He quotes the Miri 146 times, and this is just searching in Mirai Meisada. So he had very he, most of the Miri wasn't even published, and he's still managing to quote a crazy amount of Miri's. And they're not only Miri's in Baba Kamar Flushinkovetsis, it's also Megillah, it's also it's the stuff that's out there. Lamashal, Rabbitzal Ashkenazi, who just mentioned from Ashitin Kovetsis, he says in, in a, when he's talking about Amude Hayra in a specific chuva, he says as follows Harif Arambam Harama Hararash the Aravam Iri. So he puts him in the line up of of um the lineup of the 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 Amude Hayra of the generations. Now, anyone who looks into Rukhain Knevsky's farm will see he quotes it a crazy amount of times. So so is there any way to to explain um this Nakuda? So what I would say is is that it seems so first of all, he I don't have a good answer what if how does this work with the if the Khazan is so antimiri. But it's clear and this um for one example, the this uh, Tiger he says that he also brings this um, this point with the Rambam that it's very influential in helping understand the Rambam, and we see that it, it's, there are definitely cases where it seems that Reb Chaim Knievsky held, and he and this Tiger has a list in a sefer called Nezer Achayim that there might have been certain stuff that was that somehow there was a mistake in the Miri, maybe someone put in. Something somehow got inserted into the Xaviad, and that's what the Chaznish meant when I quoted in the outset. Someone told him the Zamiri says, No, the Miri didn't say such a thing because he felt there is such a thing where the Miri said, However, that might be what the Chaznish held. Even Rokhagnes, who quotes it hun- literally hundreds and hundreds of times, I would say in the thousands actually. But the Mishnah Brura, as we said, used it to say there, even had the manuscript, and it seems that he was involved with getting it published. So, Adkan, um, the next example of of uh, what Rukhaim Kanievsky uses slash Mishnabura as opposed to the Chazanish. Okay, excellent. Let's stop over here. We went a little over half an hour. We're trying to keep these somewhat shorter than in the than previous ones. So, Rebel Yezer, thank you very much. And maybe let us know where you're going to pick up next time. So next time, I hope to continue with Rabbeinu Hanano. And the Mishnabura's usage of and talk about this topic some more of Rishonim. And then, and then um, we're going to go further. And then after talking about Rabbeinu Hanano, we're going to go backwards and, and try to say, is Rukhain Knievsky unique? Is the Chafetz Chaim unique of doing this? Or there's a previous Messiah, so to speak, of people doing this. That that will be the um, the next topic of Mirza Hashem, which we hope to record soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to the sponsor. Again, for any questions or information, please email eliezerbrod at gmail.com or myself, shwaitm at ou.org. We are also accepting sponsorships you know, for specific episodes. It could be Lili Nishmas or Rizchos for anyone. And as Rabbi Dr. Brod mentioned, specific topics um, related you know, to this, so related to Dafyemi or anything else is also perhaps available. Please uh, come and be in touch with us. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day.